This podcast is part of the Podbelly Network. Please visit podbelly.com to see a complete listing of all of our other shows. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mix in just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Pauly, and their dog Ninja. Hey guys, welcome to episode 228 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. Tracy, I see. Gobble, gobble, gobble. (laughs) Oh. I want to do it like that one guy on the commercial. Raymond? Yeah, I can't do it, but anyway, go ahead. It is what it is. It is. Oh, and it's over, so (laughs) there you go. There you go. (laughs) Tracy, first of all, we want to thank all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Thank all of you for everything you do, especially everyone on the front line of COVID. Yes, God bless you all, and I'm sorry you couldn't be with your families um, this year, but, you know, we're always thinking about you and praying for you, and thank you for keeping us all safe. Yep, absolutely. We know everybody's struggling right now, and I I do mean everybody, because I don't know anybody that's not having at least some type of issue. Oh, with I know what's it. going on, especially with a lot of the states are on new lockdowns and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And it's just really causing a lot of issues. We're seeing a lot more posts pop up in the group than even normal yeah. with people struggling. And uh, we just want to let you know that we're there for you. You can join the group if you're not a member of the group. And you can have some success there with having a bunch of people that you can talk to on a more private basis. You can uh, PM most of those people or you can uh, talk to Tracy or myself. Also, if you want to get uh, a little more anonymous, you can maybe try the suicide hotline in the U.S. Yes, that number is 800-273-8255, or you can text them at 741-741. So, you know, we just, we know it's hard, but just try to get something happy out of this. Like, for me, this sounds so stupid, but Rudolph is back on TV and I know that sounds so stupid. I'm 57 years old. But that was something me and my mom did every year. She would call me every year since I, you know, after I moved out. Oh, Rudolph's on. Don't, you know. And for me, that just helps me get through a lot. And I know it's a cartoon, but, whatever, you know, whatever just it takes whatever it takes. Through. Yeah, whatever it takes to get you guys through it. And, you know, just just try to think of your blessings. As usual, we mentioned the holiday that would just pass Thanksgiving here in the United States. And this episode is sponsored by El Yucateco. And, and they would be happy to know that we brought three different bottles of mm-hmm. El Yucateco to Thanksgiving dinner to Tracy's sister. Mm-hmm. And we sat over there and just let everybody try it. And they were trying out a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And I know it got tried on some deviled eggs. And it got tried on a little bit of turkey, which I never would have thought of doing. But... It actually helped the taste of the devil. (laughs) (laughs) Stop it. But anyway, there are seven different flavors, five of which are habanero based. The other two are chipotle, which just has a little bit of a smoky taste. And I know I got excited right there because I like the the chipotle. (laughs) And then the, uh, the other one is the jalapeno. It is the number one 
habanero-based hot sauce in the United States and top 10 out of all hot sauces. Hashtag king of flavor. Eat it up. So if you don't have any at your major grocer, which a lot of Targets and Walmarts carry them, you can get yours at lyucateco.com and you can save 10% by using Hillbilly Horror as your discount coupon. Yeah, guys, check it out. Okay, Tracy. Okay. This story. So we've done a show on the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville Mm -hmm. in the past. You know, I don't think that's ever been released on the regular show. It It was a Patreon episode. And I know we talked about releasing it like on one of our vacations or something where we needed an episode. I don't think we actually ever did, though. It's a really good episode if you haven't heard it yet. And maybe one day it'll get out there if not. Some consider the Ryman to be the absolute most haunted place in Nashville, Tennessee. But there's a few other little places in that area that definitely would give them a run for their money. And I thought we would talk about those two places tonight. No, sounds good. So the first one is just outside of Nashville, and it's called The Hermitage. Have you ever heard of The Hermitage? No. What the heck is that? Where the hermits live? No. Way to take it literal, though. Why are you going to keep moving that thing? Because that makes a noise every time you do it. I'm sorry, y'all. It's like all up in my my face. I was trying to move it back a little bit. That's what she said. So (laughs) (laughs) I've had a few chances to actually go to The Hermitage, but every time that I did, something came up that... Kept me from being able to go in. And matter of fact, the last time we were actually going to go there, and you probably don't remember, but that's actually when we got the call that Kevin, Kevin passed, passed away. away. Yep. So we just decided to go ahead and, and leave Nashville and go back for obvious reasons and mm-hmm. spend time with friends and family. So the Hermitage, as we said, it's about 10 miles east of Nashville. It's a plantation and a museum today, and it was once owned by the seventh president of the United States. Any guess? Oh, God. Heck No. I don't remember history. Andrew Jackson. Oh, yeah, Andrew Jackson. He owned the Hermitage from 1804 until his death in 1845. Now, Jackson only lived there full-time after he retired from public office in 1837, and he was living there, you know, off and on Mm -hmm. before that. It is a National Historic Landmark. So today, the Hermitage site is on... 1,120 acres. Now, that's a little bit bigger than the 1,050 acres that when Jackson owned it on the original plantation. Andrew Jackson and his wife, Rachel, they didn't always live in a beautiful mansion, though. From 1804 to 1821, they lived in a log cabin that they had built on the property. Cool. I'd rather live there. (laughs) So the first two-story house that they built, it was damaged by fire in 1834. It was a chimney fire, and it did a lot of damage. So this led to them building a 13-room house that is the site right there as you go now. So that's the house that's there now was mm-hmm. one that was built after the fire in 1834. So the plantation was a cotton plantation at the time, and it did run on slave labor. Andrew Jackson was elected president in 1828. Now, President Jackson and his wife, Rachel, are actually buried on the premises of the Hermitage, right next to each other in the garden. That's really nice. Yeah, you'd, you'd have to see how this is set up. Think of like how a gazebo is. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a gazebo in the fact that, but it's it's got a little dome. It's got four columns in each corner, so it's round. Of course. And then it's round concrete, and the round concrete has two slabs on them, and they're buried under each one of those slabs. Very cool. Yeah, it's really cool. I'll try to post a picture. I say that, but I won't because I forget. Oh. I'll try to remember, though. But you can look it up. 
Anyway, so they're buried there. Rachel died in 1828. Andrew lived another 16 years after his wife's death, though. Andrew Jackson Jr. inherited the property after President Jackson died. Now, Andrew Jr. was not biologically their son. You know his name was Andrew Jr. He was actually adopted and was Rachel's orphan nephew. Oh, so well, that was he, nice they did yeah, that. Once they became, he became orphan, they took him in and adopted him and changed his name. Very cool. That's really nice. So Andrew was not really into farming, Andrew Jr. Oh. So when he took it over, he's not really into farming. And he chose to invest in a couple of, uh, we're going to say, not-so-wise ventures. Like, for example, he bought an ironworks company, and he also bought a lead mine and neither one of those did very well. And he got so far in debt that he eventually had to sell off the property to the state of Tennessee. He sold it off little little chunks of it at first. You know, a little plot of land here, a little plot of land there. And it just got so bad. He just should have stayed with what was dealt him. And it would, of course, have been a di- different history outcome, I guess. But, yeah. I mean, if somebody's going to adopt you... And give you his name, I would say you should be grateful enough. But that don't mean you should be forced to have to follow in your parents' footsteps of their career. I mean, if that was the case, almost every attorney's kid would be an attorney and every doctor's kid would be a doctor. Well, I guess you're right. Sometimes you just want to spread your own wings and fly. Yeah, he did. He flew right to the wall. (laughs) So today, the property has been completely restored to what it was like during Andrew Jackson's days when he was president including much of the furniture that they actually collected with the help of several of Andrew Jackson's family members. So they were able to track down a lot of this stuff. That's, that's really, they're very fortunate. Yeah, yeah, that would th- I would think that would be the hardest thing to do. Yes. So before we get into the hauntings, I wanted to tell you a little story about Andrew and Rachel's graves. So we mentioned that Rachel died years before him and was buried in an open-air tomb-type monument that I previously described so when andrew died everyone assumed that he was buried beside her technically he wasn't so let me explain in the 1980s someone broke into that area where the bodies are kept and they tried to lift that huge concrete cover that was over the top of andrew's casket Mm mm-hmm So it was much way too heavy. They couldn't do it. They started to, and it was just enough to see that they had actually tried. So to make sure that nothing had been disturbed, the people at the uh, museum had to bring somebody in to make sure everything was intact. So when they moved the concrete cover, what they found actually surprised them. Rachel had been buried beneath the ground. Andrew had not. When they removed that concrete cover, there was the casket just sitting right there. Apparently, this was his wishes because in some of his writings, he said that he he did not ever want to be covered with the ground. Oh. So they were next to each other, but they weren't. She was buried underground and he was kind of above ground. Wow. There just went my whole romantic feel right out the window. <laughs> well, Jackson was like a super tough guy, so it's really not surprising. Matter of fact, his nickname was Old Hickory because he was so tough. So, a little bit about Andrew Jackson, just to, so you can get a little bit about the man if you didn't really know. 
He moved to Tennessee in 1787, and he could barely read law, but he was on top of it, buddy. He was so into what he was doing and so determined that he didn't let that stop him from becoming a very successful frontier lawyer. Good for him. He didn't come from a distinguished family, so that was a fight right there. Yeah. Because back then, you pretty much had to be somebody to be somebody, if that makes sense. Of course. So he didn't let that stop him, and he was able to move ahead. And when I say he's a fighter, I do mean fight. So many people were so jealous of his success that he had was in several fights and even some duels. Matter of fact, he killed a man in a duel who made a slur against his wife. Well, that's good for him. As far as the property itself, we mentioned that the state of Tennessee had big plans for it. Unfortunately, the Civil War kind of started and the plans had to be put on the back burner. Now, during this time, this was after uh, Andrew Jackson Jr. had lost the property and sold it to Tennessee. Mm -hmm. That's when the war broke out. So all these things they were going to do with it just wasn't important anymore. So the property just sat. And during that time, the home fell into some really bad disrepair. I wonder if you slapped that guy in the face with a glove. I don't think that's a duel. I don't think that's how the duels really worked. I think that Only was like, in cartoons? I think that was the duels in France worked like that. <laughs> or like the French guy on the... Uh, well, ask that guy on the Cupcake Wars thing you watch. <laughs> the French judge. Yeah. You can't understand the thing come out of his yeah. mouth. Yeah, but a cupcake. What are you talking about? All I got was cupcake. But <laughs> anyways, the people of Tennessee petitioned for the preservation and the restoration of the home. And that's when the Ladies Hermitage Association was created and they oversaw the caretaking of the home. So they started restoring the property. Now, what have we learned about when you start restoring properties that are really old? Crap's about to happen. Right. So it tends to bring out the paranormal activities in almost every case. And during the restoration process, there were concerns of vandals breaking into the place and screwing up what they'd already fixed. So they decided to hire a caretaker. But that was going to take some time, and they didn't have anybody right off the bat. So a few members decided that they were going to camp out inside the house. Mm-hmm. That's really rough, isn't it? Let's camp out inside this mansion. Yeah. <laughs> it probably was, because they probably didn't have like, yeah. you know, electricity. Or, or I mean, they probably had a little bit, but they probably didn't have heat or any of that stuff. So I don't know what time of the year it was. Anyways. I wonder what an outhouse looks like a that what? goes with a mansion. An outhouse? It's probably just fancier. You think? Yeah. They probably had like, like two, two, two rolls of toilet paper. <laughs> so two women decided that they were going to settle in and they tried to get some sleep. They were awoken in the middle of the night by a loud crash. This happened in the kitchen. And that was followed by the sound of cabinets slamming, the doors slamming several times. Then that was the sound of pots and pans being thrown all around. It was no mistake in those sounds. You know what those things sound like. So oh, yeah. I mean, certain things, you just know what it is. So the women were terrified. They lit their lantern. So you're probably right. I guess there probably wasn't electricity <laughs> since they lit their lantern. Yay, Jerry gooped. I didn't goop. When did I say they had electricity? I said they probably didn't have, might not have had electricity because they were staying in the house, so it might not have been rough in it. Ain't that what I said? That is not what you said. What did I say? 
You said they probably had some electricity, but maybe... Okay, I did say that. I did say that. So, in your face! <laughs> well, just because they had a lantern didn't mean they had electricity. <laughs> Anyways, they turned on... The, they, they, they lit their lantern, and as soon as they did, all the noise in the kitchen immediately stopped. So, the following morning, they decided to go check out the place and see how much damage was done. They didn't find any sign of anything like they had heard the night before. Nothing was out of place. Well, that's they good. Checked, they checked the whole rest of the house, unless they were mistaken on the room they thought it was coming from, and there was absolutely nothing wrong anywhere in the house. Well, that's really scary, but it's also a good thing. They didn't have to clean up a big old mess. So. Well, that's true. Now, they were completely confused, but at the same time, they were relieved because, like you said, maybe not for the mess, but just to think maybe yeah. maybe they misheard something. Until nighttime came again. It was almost as if the spirits wanted to put on a show. So the women were once again awoken in their sleep by the same noises from the kitchen. This time, though, there were some added noises, such as the sound of chains being dragged across the floor. Now, this probably... Okay, now, I would have a problem with hearing chains. Why? Well, I think chains dragging across the floor would totally mean something different to me. As to where pots and pans were rattling, I'd be thinking, well, you know what? Maybe the mice are hungry. They want to come up, cook them up a little meal. So you think mice use pots and pans? They to could cook. have. They could have. But I, mean, I these, know mice can't drag no daggone chain. Are these Chuck E. Cheese or what? Well, Mickey and Minnie. I don't know. But I don't think I would feel very well knowing that there's been a chain dragging across the floor. Well, I think they would have probably been okay with some chains. Why? But. What they saw next was enough to scare the crap out of them. A horse took off up the staircase. <laughs> on that the sounds horse, like a drunken party to me. <laughs> on the horse was the apparition of Andrew Jackson. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, tour guides at the Hermitage say that when you're down there by the president's library in the bedroom, you can actually sometimes smell coffee brewing or tobacco smoke. And it's usually at the most unexpected times when this happens. How awesome is that, though? Well, I would think that'd be... I guess it, I feel like it's scary seeing a horse go up the stairs, but <laughs> once if that got into my brain, I think it was pretty cool. Yeah. Especially if he was on it. Now, in these smells that we just talked about, they said they've actually tried to recreate these smells, like on the Halloween tours. So when they bring people back there, and they said, but nothing they do lasts as long as the smells that just create create themselves originally there during the day. So the stuff that they try to do to create the smells don't last near as long. <laughs> there are also some spirits of former slaves that have often been seen there hanging out on the balcony area of the Hermitage. This is usually in front of the master bedroom where Andrew Jackson slept during his time at the Hermitage. Little Rachel, which was uh, Junior's, mm -hmm. Andrew Jackson Junior's daughter. Oh, he named his daughter after his mama. Yeah. That's so sweet. Little Rachel... Uh, she would claim that something would pull the blankets off of her bed and throw them on the floor when she was a little girl. And her parents just assumed that it was her two brothers playing pranks on her. Wasn't the case, apparently. Occasionally, even today, bedding in that room will still end up on the floor. So I guess the maids and stuff go in there. To maybe she kicked them off. Maybe there's nobody there sleeping in that room. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> the paranormal activity has been less and less since full restoration of the hermitage has been completed. 
So. I just really do not like that name. It sounds terrible. <laughs> the Hermitage. What the heck? <laughs> Who came up with that? I don't know. I like it. I think it sounds... Dumb. I think it sounds like a royal or something. No. Yeah. Anyway. I'm sure it's probably German. Could be. Anyway. This just sounds weird. So the I'm next sure place, it's beautiful, though. I'm sure. There's two places we're going to talk about. That was the first one. And the next place is right in the heart of Nashville, Tennessee. It's the State Capitol Building. Oh. So the Capitol Building sits right on the biggest hill in Nashville. It's actually the highest point of the city. Construction started in 1845 and was completed in 1859. 14 years. It was mostly done with slave labor and prison labor. So it was designed by a very well-known Philadelphia architect by the name of William Strickland. William Strickland? Why does that sound familiar? I don't know. William Strickland. Go ahead. Sorry. It's modeled after a Greek Ionic temple. So it was added to the Natural Register of Historic Places in 1970. So here's a fun fact. It's one of only 12 state capitol buildings without a dome. No kidding. So most state capitals have domes have for domes. sure. Let's talk about the most interesting aspect of this story. The architect, William Strickland. We mentioned that he was a well-known architect from Philadelphia. He was also an apprentice on the U.S. Capitol building. So he had a, a very nice resume, which was why he was chosen to do this one. Strickland moved to Nashville for what he assumed was going to be a much shorter time than it actually turned out to be. It took 14 years to actually complete, and he passed away before he could see the completed project. That is such a bummer. So why did it take so long for construction to be completed? Well, a few different reasons, actually. There were some problems with funding because of budgets and shortfalls, but there was also a constant headbutting with a gentleman by the name of Samuel Morgan. Morgan was appointed by the Capitol Commission to kind of babysit Strickland and to make sure that the project came in under budget. So Morgan and Strickland argued about everything and hated each other. It's not just a term I throw out there. They legitimately hated each other. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter what Strickland wanted to do, from color schemes to building materials, Morgan had a problem with it. This resulted in several shouting matches that became so intense that in times construction would come to a complete halt. Oh my gosh. So Strickland died in 1859. The state of Tennessee honored him by having him entombed inside of the building on the north side. This was a privilege that is not offered to, to very many people. So this was indeed an honor. Like I said, it's very rare. But he wouldn't be the only person entombed in the Capitol building. There would be one more person. Not Morgan. Samuel Morgan. <laughs> I hope he, they put him on the other side. He is also on the north side of the building. <laughs> now that's just being mean. So now these two men who hated each other are spending eternity buried in the same part of the Tennessee State Capitol building. Do you think they ever look at each other and say, I hate you? And the other one says, I hate you more. Yeah, it's, I, I picture it being like when stepbrothers, when they really end the bed next to each other. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to wake up in the middle of the night. <laughs> so anyways, almost every night, even today, people will hear the echoey voices of two men arguing on the grounds of the state capitol building on the north side. 
This has resulted in many calls to the police department. <sighs> many of the responding officers have basically got there. They've said, hey, we, we've heard the two men. They're obviously in a heated argument, cussing and yelling at each other on the north side. But we can't locate either man. Oh, my gosh. Sometimes they will send rookies out on some of these calls <laughs> as jokes. <laughs> on one occasion, they responded, uh, the responding officer, he came back to the police station, and he was completely confused. And eventually the chief told him that it was just the two men who built the Capitol building. They've been arguing for years. <laughs> that ought to be tiresome. All right, so before we get... To the last little tidbit I got here, because I added a couple of stuff here from from the Ryman. But we've got an interview coming up after this, so stay tuned. Sarah Val is a medium, and she has an awesome story. And, and let me tell you a little bit before we even get into this. She's got some really cool stories just in general. But in the initial interview that we did, she talks about... 11-11. And she says it's a long story. We'll talk about that at another time. So we recorded another segment to use on Patreon. And it was so good that I decided to use it here today. So when you hear it, you're going to hear it say mm-hmm. Patreon and stuff. But you've got to hear this story. So we'll leave it at that. Very cool. All right. So let's talk about the Ryman Auditorium. It's one of the most haunted places in Nashville, like we said earlier. We're not going to get into a bunch of details because we've done an entire episode. We can go back and find that one. But I did find a few stories in the process of searching this Nashville stuff that we didn't mention in that one. And I thought it was pretty cool, so I brought them up. Just a quick little uh, retrace, since uh, for some of you who might not know, the Ryman was home to the Grand Ole Opry from 1943 to 1974. And it featured some of the greatest stars in country music over the years. And it's said that several come back after they have passed on to hang out there. And, um, you know, Hank Williams Sr. is actually one of the ones that's the most prominent. It goes to the senior. got to hang out there. It's a great place to hang out. So the Ryman is still host to several events every year. It's not uncommon during those events to have something paranormal happen. Country music star Lori Morgan... She said that when she was younger, that her and her father would come to the Ryman often. She said that there would be this very unattractive old man with long white hair backstage. Every time she would ask her father who this man was, he would disappear. Lori said that her and her girlfriend started calling the old uh, man the Phantom of the Opry. (laughs) She said because they would only see him every so often standing in the corner, but then no one knew who he was. As we mentioned earlier, there have been several sightings of Hank Williams here, so much so that two songs have been written about it. The Ride by David Allen Coe in 1983 and Midnight in Montgomery in 1992 by Alan Jackson. Now, one of my favorite stories comes from a gentleman by the name of Terry Eldridge from the Grackles, their Grammy Award-winning group, believe it or not. Okay, never heard of them. (laughs) One day, he and his bassist, Terry, they were actually, they're, they're kind of just hanging out, doing a taping at the, at the Opry, at the Ryman. And there was a bunch of other acts there, they said. Bobby and Sonny Osborne, better known as the Osborne Brothers, were there. And they were all on stage just kind of chit-chatting. Sonny said, how cool is it that Hank Williams and Patsy Cline might be flying around in here? 
at that exact time, two windows behind the stage flew open. Not closed. They were already closed, and they both raised up at the exact same time. Nice. I thought that was pretty cool. That's very, very cool. So anyway, there's a couple of haunted Nashville places. Yeah, I like that. We've got a, a I'm going to stick with a Nashville theme. Right outside of Nashville is Franklin and the Battle of Franklin mm-hmm. during the Civil War. Um, has there's a couple of properties on there that I want to I'm going to get into it at, at a probably either next week or the week after. Very nice. But, I like Nashville. Yeah, it's a cool place for sure. All right, Tracy, we're going to do our interview with Sarah, but first. We're going to do our Patreons and stuff after a quick word from our sponsor. All right, Tracy, what do you got for our uh, Patreons and iTunes reviews this week? Well, I'm going to give an award out to this person, Mojo Lobster. (laughs) 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 Bless his heart, he leaves a review every week, and we really appreciate it, honey. And then we have Courtney Miller, 13. Thank you, beautiful. We appreciate you. Lincoln Daisy Rain, I love that name, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, it's just beautiful. And Jake4824. And our Patreons this week is Peter Clayson. I think that's how you say it. Thank you so much, Peter, for your patronage. We appreciate it so much. Yeah, and before we go any further, we want to say a very special get well soon. Oh, to, my goodness, to, yes. To Caden. I know has uh, really struggled in the past uh, couple of months, and uh, it looks like things are taking a turn for the better, so we can only Woo-hoo. hope that things continue on. Caden, thank you so much for listening to us. Thank you, sweetheart. That means the world to us, and so happy that you're on the mend, and hurry up and get out of that damn place. All right, before we bring on Sarah Val, just a quick reminder that the store has constant sales going on. Apparently, apparently the place where we have our store does a sale like every four days. And mm-hmm. then there'll be like two days without a sale, then we're back to another sale. I know, like, and that's funny, isn't it? Which is okay, you know. Of course. You know, they get t-shirts a lot of times in there for like 13 bucks during the sale, and I think there literally is a sale 20 of the 30 days in a month. Mm-hmm. Anyways, go to our website, hillbillyhorrorstories.com. That's where you can buy copies of the books if you want to uh, autographed and uh, personalized, or you can get them on amazon.com. You want to do that please if you have gotten a book already and you enjoyed it please leave a review if you didn't enjoy it do not leave a review <laughs> unless you're gonna lie yeah either either way but uh so you can get all your merchandise and a bunch of christmas shopping and stuff done on uh, hillbillyhorrorstories.com amen all right are we ready to listen to this interview you've heard it i have heard it and it's pretty amazing so let's listen to miss sarah Val. Hey guys, I've got Sarah Val on, and she is a medium from up in the uh, Michigan area. Sarah, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. So Sarah, like I do with most of my guests, I'm going to turn most of this segment over to you, and you're going to tell me a little bit about your uh, paranormal journey and and share some some stories, possible some experiences with us, and then we'll kind of interact at the end and... uh, See if we can't wrap this thing up with a few questions to clarify some things. That sound good? Sounds awesome. All right. Well, it's all yours, my dear. All right. Thank you so much. Well, first off, it looks like it's almost 11-11, which is crazy because I have 11-11 tattooed on my neck. And anyone that knows me knows that uh, I have a long story with that. I won't get into that right now because 
I could talk for hours about it. But my name is Sarah Val. I am the dark angel model to David Cutler's Shadows Beyond the Grave Paranormal. I started writing a book um, about my paranormal journey back in 2016. I actually just found those writings this morning, and I would love to complete that this year and make that um, my New Year's goal. So that's something I'm looking forward to. You can find me on my Facebook business page. It's Sarah Val Dash Medium. I began my paranormal journey in 2015. I've been on a couple of radio shows, uh, one being the Ghostly Hour After Hours with David Cook on KCOR Digital Radio Network out of Nevada as well as the Rick and Sarah show, where I was a co-host in 2016 with author and paranormal guru Rick Wade, where we connected with people who have crossed over right on um, the live feed. I have done over a thousand readings. I am proud to say that I recently predicted one missing person's case, their cause, location, and the clothing they were wearing. I have connected with spirits within one hour of passing. I specialize in remote viewing, meaning I describe in detail objects that are connected to spirits, such as jewelry, what they've decorated with in their home, down to the clothes and shoes that they wear or wore. I do not consider myself psychic um, in the sense when people say, okay, what am I thinking right now? Or what did I do yesterday? <laughs> I don't really know that. My specialty is directly with the deceased. So basically, I wanted to kind of share a couple of stories with my experience with my family and the paranormal. One story came up back in the early 2000s. It was in the childhood house that I grew up in. And my dad was sitting at a kitchen table doing paperwork and he saw like smoke or fog along the back of the yard near the fenced area. And he thought that it was weird that it had, wasn't dissipating. And it was just kind of, you know, hovering above the ground. He didn't think too much of it and just, you know, went back to his paperwork. He decided that he wanted to look back towards the yard again a few minutes later and noticed that that whatever it was, entity had moved. At that point, he tried to apply common sense to it. What could it be? Could it be nature related? Could it be, you know what I'm saying, like fog? But all of a sudden, he felt this chill through his body, and it just interrupted his work, causing him to look out the window again. And at that point, that entity was right up to the window literally just there and he said he described it as like white light or this energy that was very foggy and smoky and he felt like he was being watched or violated when i asked him about it today i called and asked him about it and you know to kind of remind me the story he also noted that it was just three days after his father had passed so he said he'd like to think that that was a visit from my grandpa. So that's a pretty cool story. Yes, I, um, I love those kind of yeah. stories about possible relatives visiting and, and giving you some assurance. That, that's always my favorite stories. I know. Absolutely. Because it just makes you feel more at peace. And yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. I lived in a home in Corona, Michigan on Mack Street in Shiawassee County. This was back when my son was two. So God, this was probably about 10 years ago. The house was a medical facility. 
back in the early 1900s owned by a doctor who housed many patients there. He ended up an alcoholic and passing away. Dozens and dozens of tenants later lived there. The last one before me was an alcoholic who also lived there and passed away. When I moved in, I really felt the depressing state of that house. It just always drew in bad energy. The neighbor and his girlfriend would fight all the time. I would hear him beating her through the walls. They even had house fire, multiple house fires in that home. When people say homes can have quote unquote bad juju, that is 100% true and I agree. Everyone said that it was creepy or they felt they were watched there. It wasn't until I took a photo in the mirror one day and I kid you not, a family, a man, woman and child were in that photo with me in spirit form. I have posted that photo on my Sarah Val Medium page if anybody would like to check it out and tell me what they think. Very cool. Yeah, come to find out that that doctor had a wife kid so that doctor there had a wife and kid in that home with them and I believe possibly it could have been them in that photo with me another interesting part of that house was in a certain bedroom which was my room at the time anytime anyone would live there before after me developed depression it was a very different kind of depression with racing thoughts something that I had never experienced before the girl who moved in after me had the same room and she messaged me telling me how depressed she was feeling and how hopeless she was. She started feeling immediately better after moving to that home with faces along the Shiawassee County River that were literally right up to my kitchen window that was all overlooking the river. Just, I mean, it's insane. It's crazy. So ultimately, that home was investigated by Allie Paranormal in Owasso, Michigan, and several photos even outside of the home showed spiritual images that were unknown and hard for anybody to make sense of. So kind of a cool story as well. So how long did you uh, live there? I lived there for just a couple years. I couldn't take it. I, I can't explain it. Like the house had one of those like dungeon basements too that had like narrow steps that went down into this. It was creepy. Like, <laughs> I had I had people tell me that the house probably had were like remember like the old fashioned houses where isn't it called like the parlor where like they have the funerals? Yes. Yeah, I had people tell me that there was probably just so many people that passed away there because it was like a not a hospital but a place where they like housed really ill people that were on their deathbed. So it's pretty crazy. What else do I have to tell you? Oh, kind of a cool fact. So the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the remake movie that was released in 2003, I actually stayed in a home on one mile away from where they filmed that movie, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> and I, I found that out from the lady who was renting us the home. She's like, you know, they just got done filming Texas Chainsaw Massacre a mile away from here. So I thought that was kind of a cool fact to be out in the woods in Texas, you know, and that whole story with Leatherface and everything, that's pretty crazy. It's funny, right next to where we're recording in, in the podcast room that I've got set up our studio, I have got a giant cardboard cutout of Leatherface that I'm sitting here looking at as you're telling that story. Oh, really? That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So, uh, what was I going to say? Go ahead. I was going to say, when you're ready, I've got some questions. Absolutely. Go ahead. Talk to me about remote viewing a little bit. For example, 
when would there be a time when remote viewing would be something that would be beneficial? Is that the type of things that you would use in a missing person case like you talked about? Yeah, you can. Absolutely. Remote viewing is what I've learned in my experience is like I'm able to identify objects that were in somebody's home or like the color of the clothes they're wearing or I I can see I've literally been able to go through somebody's whole house that I don't even know like a stranger and identify where everything is in colors and pictures on the walls and everything so yes I believe that being a remote viewer gives you the detailed images and pictures that you can refer back to like I just I see this and I I tell the that's exactly what's on my table or that is exactly what he was wearing or that's exactly I mean so it's a huge gift it's a huge gift to be able to help people like that's what I'm about is just being able to reach out help people that missing persons case recently that was the first time I had ever done something like that but they were really grateful it's just yeah so like remote remote viewing and direct connection is just basically picking up on objects picking up on objects yeah are, are so, you able to share any of the information on the missing persons case that you were with uh no all, I, all i'll just say is it, it was more it was the family that reached out to me it was actually a client of mine who i've done several readings for and she said hey she said you know we can't find him we don't know where he is can have you ever done this before can you give us any information and I just said I just said you know he's in he's he's in a field with some trees and I see like a barn or a silo and then I told her you know what he was wearing and I said that that it was like drug related and that he overdosed and then she messaged me back within an hour they had found they had found him and that was exactly it was all right it was all right and I just I got chills through my body and I just put my phone down and I'm like okay spirit like you're using me for something you know and I if I can help people I believe that that's you know it's it's a blessing so now in in that situation is it okay to ask if that turned out good or bad with the uh, the uh, the per- missing person, unfortunately, he just they, they found him. He he was passed on. Okay, that's what I was curious about, but I didn't want to just yeah they 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 yeah um like I said they messaged me within an hour and said that uh they found him and that he that he was passed on and stuff. So yeah, it was pretty interesting. Did you have any other questions? Yeah, I was trying to think back to something else you had mentioned earlier. In the first story you told about your your dad and thinking that it might be a, a possible visit from a loved one, have you heard many people describe an entity such as that with the bright bright light that they saw, or is it usually uh, different for, for each person that you discuss visits from loved ones? Yeah, it's all just different people's different stories. I'm trying to think if anyone's ever told me about a white light. Anytime I usually hear, it's usually dark. It's usually dark figures. In fact, that's what I was experiencing back in 2016. I was going to mention I had a shadow figure 
that was in a home of a guy who passed away. Man, these spirits follow me everywhere. Now that I'm talking about this, I'm realizing that like <laughs> everywhere I've lived, something crazy has happened. So, but uh, I, I would go to, I'd be sleeping and there would be this figure, this like shadow man over me. And I could feel him trying to pull me like out of bed. That's the best way to describe it. It was so haunting and demonic and, and horrible. Oh, and now I'm remembering something else. We heard knocking in my bedroom, like literally like this on the wall, right when we moved in that house. And I remember looking at my boyfriend at the time. I'm like, did you just hear that? And he's like, yeah. I was like, well, Steve, somebody's here. Nobody was around. Nobody was outside. The, ki- the kids, I don't even think the kids were home at the time. And I was like, what was that? And we heard that knocking, I want to say it lasted probably maybe a month until I said some like cleansing rituals and stuff and it went away. But I saw him, I saw him walking by my daughter's bedroom one day. We were sitting there watching TV. The door was open. I was alone with her. And I got so used to this figure that when I saw him walk up, walked by I just texted my boyfriend who was at work and I said someone I said someone's in the house and he's like what oh my god I said no it's okay it's just that spirit guy because he knew about him too I said he's it's a dark figure he just walked by I saw him clear as day and I I was like I'm so creeped out you know it, it was it was crazy and even like in the basement of that house like my brother got really creeped out a couple times we were doing some recordings he said a door slammed i mean like it was just and i like to look back at the history of a house like who lived here before you know and there was a gentleman that died of like kidney like kidney failure there so i just thought well maybe he's lingering around you know so i tried doing like the cleansing rituals and it seemed to have to get better but pretty crazy <laughs> so here's a quick question for you that we may have something in common that you might not okay. have realized. Are you ordained through Universal Life Church? I am. So am I. So I thought that was coincident as I was because I was stalking your Facebook page and I noticed it. I'm like, hey, you were stalking my Facebook. <laughs> well, you gotta you gotta at least have some kind of information on who you're interviewing, or otherwise you just didn't do your due exactly. diligence. Exactly. Yeah, and I and I was looking at your page too, and it looks like you have tons of followers, which is awesome. Um, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I, I am actually. And you know what, though? I've never married or baptized anybody yet. I just got it, and I didn't really press it too much. You know what I mean? I didn't really, like, do anything with it. But I would love to do that. I didn't that think, would be cool. I didn't think that I would either. I had a, a couple of friends. As a matter of fact, last week was their anniversary. And mm-hmm. about five years ago, they said, hey, because uh, I was a stand-up comedian before, and this, this gentleman was a comedian friend of mine. And he was like, oh, hey, cool. if we if we got you set up and, and paid for this, would you marry us? And I said, sure. So that's what happened. And I honestly thought that would be the only time I would ever use it. But since then, I think I've married six or seven people, including my uh, sister-in-law and her husband, one of my best friends, and his wife, which was kind of fitting because I actually were, were, knew them back when they first got together, and we're talking 20-some years ago. And then they actually went, fell through some troubles and split up, and I actually helped in getting them back together. So that was, like, really 
ironic that I would be the one to marry him. So that worked out good. But and That's then I've cool. actually spoke it at, at a uh, graveside service. So yeah, I, I, something I didn't really think I would ever do or, or use again. You know, I've I've been able to use six, seven, eight times. So pretty cool. Very cool. Good for you. Yeah, I definitely want to do that. I would love to. I would love to baptize. I mean, all of that would be really cool to be a part of, you know, somebody's special day. So, yeah, for sure. I was going to say, I just remember when I started, I remember my very first reading. I started, it started back in 2015. I would see, like, people in my sleep, and I was like, what's going on? Like, I would see people from all walks of life, like sailors, women in Victorian dresses, young children playing and I'm like thinking to myself who are these people and do are these people that have like a message for me you know what I mean that that they want me to share and I just kind of ignored it for a while and finally I was like you know I feel like there's something going on here I need to like test test if what I'm feeling is right so my uh, brother had a new girlfriend at the time she came over to our house and I I had this feeling that somebody was connected to her. And I said, now is your time. Just try it. You know what I mean? Just try. You can't hurt to try. And I said, do you mind if I give you a reading of some things that I'm feeling? And she's like, that's fine. I says, who's the gentleman that's connected to you? I said, he's a younger, a younger guy. And she kind of like got this look on her face and she says, my dad. And I said, okay. And then I said, um, I feel like your dad passed tragically and I was like I feel like I'm seeing a vehicle she just immediately started crying she's like he died in a tragic car accident and I was like okay and I said and also he's showing me an addiction to like either drugs or alcohol that would have like caused this to happen she's like yeah he was drunk driving and I said Sarah here you go now you got something run with this I was like because I don't know this girl I told her hello hi how are you what's your name I don't know anything about her, I didn't know her on Facebook. I didn't know anything about this girl. I was like, so why don't you keep trying? So the next day, my daughter was on the phone with her friend and I was like, I was like, honey, I was like, can I? I was like, that girl you're talking to, I feel like I'm being pulled to her. And she's like, oh God, my mom's doing one of her crazy, you know, <laughs> medium things or whatever. And she's like, just ignore her. And she's, her friend's like, no, 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 I, I, I kind of want to hear her out. And I said, who's the old lady that's, connected to you I said I feel like maybe she might have passed away recently and she said my grandma and I said okay and I said well your grandma wants me to tell you that she loved the purple flowers and right when she heard that she started bawling and she's like her favorite flowers were lilacs she's like and we had them at her funeral and I said okay so this is definitely her coming through I said she wants me to tell you that she's that whatever she did uh, you know, here on earth was working with her hands. She was very creative and she would like, I feel like she would like knit or put things together. And she's like, she made blankets. She actually made blankets for like a living after her husband passed. And I just got that whole chills feeling again, like, okay, here we go. Like, I just kept getting more and more confident. That's one thing. Like, I'm very confident about my readings. I've never been wrong. Like when I, when people read, read me, there might be maybe one little thing that they have to go kind of figure out, Ooh, what could that be? But I have such a good following of people that just are like, man, she's really like spot on. There was another reading that really stuck out to me of a little girl that had passed away her mom, a little bit, it was a little bit, little baby. And her mom said, uh, 
I need a reading, you know, I, something horrible happened. Didn't know anything about it. And I said, well, who's the baby coming through? And she's like, that's what I wanted to hear. My daughter who just passed away. And I said, well, I said, she's showing me three things right now. She's showing me a C. And she's like, yep, her name was Charlotte. I said, she's showing me September. She says, yep, she was born in September. And I said, and she's showing me like a little white cube or box that has images on it and she just lost it and she's like that's my little photo cube that I have sitting by my bed that I look at every night with her photos so it was just it's it's very like I said I I love helping people and and you know my mother passed when she was 47 and I just couldn't imagine getting a reading from somebody that could just give me so much detail and reassurance and it's just it's a wonderful thing and I'm just I'm just very blessed to to be a part of it so well that's awesome Sarah thanks so much for spending some time with us tell everybody again how they can keep up with you hey you guys can um follow me on Facebook I have my regular pages Sarah Val which that's where I have most of my followers but I just opened a Sarah Val dash medium page that you can go on and I do um, reading specials and I share paranormal stuff and yeah, you guys should check it out. So awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. You know, it's been fun listening. I, I love every time I get to talk to a medium because everybody seems to do things a little bit different and they've always got a different style. And uh, I love learning about all the different styles out there between the different mediums. Well, thank you so much for having me on Jerry. And I, I, you know, I'm glad I came across your page that you were looking to have somebody on and if you ever need me in the future just let me know awesome thank you all right now like i said that was the first part and she mentioned the 1111 and now we've got the other interview so listen to this one real quick this one's a little bit shorter but this actually tells you the 1111 story and you don't want to miss this one hey guys i got medium sarah val on the show and you heard her on last week's episode of uh, hillbilly horror stories she had another story that she mentioned in that episode, and I thought it would be really cool if she told it specifically for you guys so you get a treat on this one. Sarah, thanks for telling the story to us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on again. You're welcome. So you you mentioned that the episode that we were recording started at about 11.11, and that goes to a tattoo that you have on your neck, but you said the story was too long to tell, but now you're going to tell it specifically for our Patreon listeners, and uh, I appreciate that. So tell me about how 1111 plays into your life. Okay, so 1111 is very significant to me. On November 17th of 2018, I was involved in a house fire. Um, So basically, something told me that night to leave my bedroom my boyfriend was sleeping next to me and I just couldn't sleep and I had a very funny feeling that I needed to leave the bedroom. So I went to lay with my daughter who was in the room next to us and was just kind of scrolling through my phone on Instagram and a post came up about 1111 and how when you see the numbers 1111, you are protected by spirit guides, angels, that you're going to be okay, basically. And that was the last thing I remember reading on my phone and I fell asleep. And then I awoke in the middle of the night to banging on the wall. And he was yelling, Sarah, Sarah, wake up. And I just opened my eyes and I ran in there and the bedroom was on fire. 
on my daughter and you know I had to throw her off the balcony because she was trapped and I suffered third degree burns and all that but I'm grateful to be alive the next day I had an interview with the fire marshal uh, I had left my cell phone at the neighbor's house and I asked him what time it was at the end of the interview and he told me it was 11 11 and I was kind of surprised by that because it had reminded me of what had happened the night before didn't think too much of it went on with my day went out to eat uh, at some like fast food later on that evening and I got my total and the total on the receipt was 1111. So at that point, I was already presented with 1111 three times. And I was feeling at that point, yeah, like I definitely, you know, am being protected. And also, it was that home had no smoke detectors or fire extinguishers. So therefore, I really should not have even woke up, you know, and it kind of just makes the story even more <laughs> like so. From there on, I always see 11-11 on the clock. I'll see 11-11 on receipts all the time. It's like almost like the point of excessive. I'm always finding, too, that I'm always doing something important or life-changing or positive when 11-11, when it's 11-11. And that's why I found it so funny that when we started our that it was, I just looked at the clock and I said, literally right when you started talking, it was 11-11. So I ended up getting 11-11 uh, tattooed on my neck uh, from a friend of mine. Significant number in my life. And it just is also a huge reminder to me that I am blessed and I'm thankful to be alive. So, Well, that's a, it's a very inspirational story. And we're, we're glad that your family made it out of the house uh, during the fire. Because you mentioned that you went to in the next bed with your daughter, but you actually have four children. Luckily, only one was home that day. That's right. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I didn't mention um, that they were all, all the other three were actually supposed to be home that night. And I remember trying to get them. For some reason, I kept trying to get like you know you should stay you know watch a movie well the one went to you know her friends and then the other two went to you know dad's house and I just look back and that like wow like they were supposed to be there and it's just I here here's what I tell everybody I got the one out there would have been no way I could get four out mm. there would have been no way I could get four out so I am grateful and thankful every day. Everything happens for a reason. And also, they also say I was at a turning point in my life. I just gotten out of a, um, a crazy living situation and everything. They say that when something burns down, it's like Phoenix rising. I don't know if you've ever heard of that term. I have. Where a fire can symbolize a new beginning and, and new life. And that's from there on out, I've just... I've changed so much of who I was and I just am so uh, you'd look at life differently. I mean, people, people, I have the scars, you know, and, and I'm proud of them. My daughter who was in the fire with me, she calls me wonder woman and Superwoman mom. And, and, and she points to my scars and, and I, she's just like, Oh mom, you know, you're all scarred. And I just said, yeah, but I, I did that for you. It's, it's like my love for her. I, on my arm I have it on my my hip and my back and my arms and different spots in my body but it's just like it's just 
and the funny thing is, is you don't think when you're in a fire, you just like react. And I had to throw her off the balcony, you know, and she fell on the ground crying, like, you know, my mom just, you know, but you, you don't, you don't really think. And I remember, I remember being on fire and, and burning and everybody told me I smelled like literally like burnt, like melted skin. It's gross. But I had to put myself out because I was on fire. I remember finding a little patch of snow. And I remember, I just remembered back, you know, in high, in, in high school, in middle school, I'd stop, drop, and roll, you know, stop, drop, mm-hmm. and roll. And I put, my, I put myself out. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's a life experience. You know, you grow and you learn from everything. And I'm, I'm glad to share the story with people because it, it gives people hope, you know, definitely. So. It's definitely a very heartwarming story, and I'm glad it all worked out in the end for you and your family. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right, Sarah, thank you so much, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us this week. I hope you enjoyed the interview with uh, Sarah Val. Make sure that uh, you send her a message, get a reading. I think you'll enjoy it. Mm -hmm. But uh, go like her Facebook page. We put a link to it in our group and uh, on my personal page. So go find her. Let's like it, and we'll post it again so you can go help her out a little bit. Yeah, do that. She's awesome. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Have a blessed week.